Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Matthew 16, and uh, before we go and start reading, let's let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you are, and for being with us and walking beside us. I just lift up this time. I pray that your words would be heard correctly. I pray that our hearts, our spirit would be prepared to receive what you have to say. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would open our eyes, that you would give us the wisdom and the insights as to what this means for us. And Lord, I just pray that we would then be able to apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, this is the the second time I've I've recorded this. The first one didn't go so well. Um, But the reality is, within this is for this chapter. There's a lot here and there's a lot of pieces to it. But as I've been trying to go through this journey, I just keep reminding myself and I have to, to rest in God and know that he is enough. As we're coming into Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for so much. And one of the things that I'm, I'm working on and I'm figuring out is I'm thankful that he loves me despite me. And I, I watch myself in, and I see myself in the in the disciples so often. And at times they're just, you know, they're clueless. And I am too. And yet, and I, and I do dumb things. I do wrong. I sin, obviously. And yet he, he loves me anyways. And I need to rest in that and understand that I shouldn't sin because it's bad for me, not because God will love me more. So with that, let's go ahead and get into chapter 16, verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left and went away. We all know that the sign of Jonah is the three days that he spent in the belly of the fish. When they went back across, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You have little faith. Why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? but to be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others. Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? He asked. 
Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, of son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised again to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have, a, have in mind the concerns of God, but merely con human concerns. So it's interesting. Peter is the one that the church will be built on. He will be that rock. But Peter is the first one to, to tell Christ and for Christ to rebuke. Peter is the same one who denies Christ three times when he's, when he's arrested. Peter is not a perfect person. The church is not perfect. It is made up of men, but still God uses imperfect men and women for his purpose. That gives hope to me that I don't have to be perfect. I just need to be willing. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So we're going to read something from Tozer, and he focuses on verse 24, which is, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But the key here that I take away from all of this is it's more important. God cares more about my eternal soul than my short-term life on earth. Of course, because I'm a made being by him, he doesn't want me to be miserable but he wants me to have a life that's, that is fulfilling. But he doesn't promise a fulfilling life is easy without problems. He even says those who follow me will be persecuted. But again, the most important thing is for us to be saved because it's our eternal soul. And that's what God really cares about is our eternal soul. And so Tozer goes on to say, the cross affects its ends by destroying one established pattern, the victims, and creating another pattern, its own. Thus, it always has its way. It wins by defeating its opponent and imposing its will upon him. It always dominates and never compromises, never dickers nor confers, never surrenders a point for the sake of peace. It cares not for peace. It cares only to end its opposition as fast as possible because the opposition is death. Right? If we don't have the cross, 
and what it represents and the salvation of the cross, then what is important? Again, it's worse. What, what, what value is it for us to, to gain the whole world and lose our soul? With perfect knowledge of all this, Christ said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So the cross not only brings Christ's life to an end, it ends also the first life, the old life, of every one of his true followers. It destroys the old pattern, the Adam pattern, in the believer's life and brings it to an end. Then the God who raised Christ from the dead raises the believer and a new life begins. So, what a critical element for us in this chapter. We need to be careful about what we listen to, even though it's from, it's from the learned and educated. We need to go and, and make sure that even if we think we're doing the right thing, we can be hindering the church, as Peter did when he, when he said, you know, no, you'll never, you'll never experience that. But then at the same time, God and, can use all of us, regardless of our shortcomings. And there's, there's nothing more important than our salvation than that's it. It's our salvation. It's our eternal life. But when we get that, and when we take up our cross, and we follow him, we have eternal life. And that is the end of our old life and the beginning of our new. So let's go to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time and for this day. I just thank you for your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that it would be your word, your wisdom that we hear that our hearts, our spirits, and our minds would be prepared to receive it and that we would understand the message you have for each of us and that we would do your will. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the, these friends, and I thank you for our families. We're coming into Thanksgiving, and we have a lot to be thankful for. I just lift up our nation. I pray that they would be healed. There's a lot of division, a lot of separation, and I just pray that that division would be healed, Lord. That can only happen when we focus on you. So I pray, Father, for a revival in our land, a revival that focuses on you and loves you and accepts you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.